Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Ladies and gentlemen, let's go now into the dark recesses of the building, down there with all the musty, dusty books, all there with... Oh, my goodness, talking about musty and dusty, why, it's Dr. History. <laughs> Good morning, Zeb. Hello, Good my friend. Down to a tea. <laughs> you know, I really enjoy what you do coming on this program. I always find it interesting, and I cannot wait. I think I told you this a couple of weeks ago, that I haven't had a lot of time to finish the book with that book on Doc Holliday. The minute I get done with it, I'm going to make sure you get a copy of that because it's an excellent book put to fiction, but really with all the true life accounts that happened to him. I'd love to read that. I, I, that's great, yeah. I'd, I'd like to get that from you. What in the world are you going to tease us with today? Well, I'm going to talk about the uh, art of the fast draw. Uh-oh. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. But as an example of that fast draw, we're going to talk about the uh, gunfight at the OK Corral. Uh-oh. And, and how that ties into the art of the fast draw. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh you know, in the Old West, you know, the gunman did not meet his enemy face-to-face like the old TV shows, uh, you know, and then, you know, they'd stand there and say, make your play, and then they'd beat him to the draw. That, if you look at the records and everything, that just didn't happen that way. Now, I'm going to uh, jump in here. i got to jump in here and ask questions, because, man, oh, man, right? you're, you're disputing history here, Dr. History. I know it. Um, now, on separate occasions of some of the novels that I've read and some of the historical background, there was a calling out of individuals at certain times. Would you agree with that or not? Yes, yes, but less common than than Hollywood would have us believe. Okay. So oh. It did happen occasionally, but most of the time it did not. So uh, the thing that... Uh, we have to remember is about this the uh, uh, fast draw that uh, some of the fast draw artists used to have an, a volunteer come up and what they would do is they'd have the person put their hands six inches apart and uh, ask them to uh, clap their hands together before they could pull their gun and put the gun in between their hands mm. and almost every time pretty much the fast draw expert could get his gun out and have it between their hands before they could clap their hands together. And then go to the hospital and then and then uh, go to the... Go ahead. Have somebody stand in front of you, hands six inches apart, put your thumbs uh, in your belt loop, and you can usually beat them every time. Uh-huh. Like you're extremely slow. Okay. Uh, and don't try that with a gun. Uh, that's not a good thing to do. But the old-time gunmen understood this. Uh, you know, they knew that they had to get the jump on whoever they were going to go against. And, uh, for example, uh, Bat Masterson and a guy named Sergeant King, they had a, a, a 
they, uh, King was an acknowledged expert with a gun, and he'd already killed half a dozen men. Uh, one day he was entering a saloon, and he found Bat Masterson dancing with a girl that he considered his. Well, without warning, he shot Bat with a bullet, hit him in the thigh, killed the girl, and from the floor, Bat Masterson shot this guy right through the heart. Mm. So certainly this King guy didn't follow the code of the West, you know, and calling him out and having a face-to-face type thing. So now similarly, Sheriff Pat Garrett, you know, we know that story. He was waiting with a gun in hand, and he shot Billy the Kid as he backed uh, through uh, the doorway of a darkened room. Well, Billy the Kid had a gun in his hand, so no one except the outlaw's diehard friends really considered this a bad thing. So, in fact, uh, President Teddy Roosevelt went out of his way to personally meet Pat Garrett. Mm -hmm. But then we move on with Pat Garrett. It's ironic that he met his death similarly. He was riding in a buckboard with a friend. He saw a rancher that he'd had a disagreement over. Well, the two quarreled. Pat started to get down from the wagon, and supposedly he was shot once while he was still on the buckboard. Then the rancher added uh, another shot as the ex-sheriff lay on the ground, and no conclusive evidence ever came to light, and the rancher was acquitted mm-hmm. on the basis that Pat had a gun, uh, even though he shot him twice before he could even get to the gun. Now, let me so, interject something here for a second, Doc, and I think we got a little bit of a delay here this morning for some reason on the line. But uh, would you agree with me that if you study the Old West and you study some of the personalities of the Old West, the really true gunmen, and the good shooters and the fast draw experts, I'll bet you it's safe to say that 80% were mostly gamblers. Probably, yeah. And and they had, that was one of the uh, things they had to have in their repertoire, I guess you could say, because they had to defend themselves quite often. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we see that this uh, so-called uh, code of the West was usually interpreted to mean that uh, it was a fair match if your opponent was armed and you didn't shoot him in the back. Mm. So if he had a gun and you shot him, it was okay. Mm-hmm. So, now, now, would you say that, uh, and I'm reading this book and I'm going to throw this into you, uh, that the fast draw you said was basically overblown uh, by Hollywood and everything else, but uh, one of the things and one of the statements that was accredited to Doc Holliday was that Take your time, aim, and shoot, and 99% of the time, you will be okay. Right, and, and I'm going to talk about that here with this uh, fight at the OK Corral. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this, of course, was with the Earps and with Doc Holliday, shooting it out with the Clantons and the McLowrys. Yep. And this is kind of pointed out to be one of the classic examples of the draw-and-shoot gun battles, and uh, it actually really more fits the pattern than most of the others. So that's why we're going to kind of take a look at this, and we're going to look at the records that were in the newspapers and one thing or another. So we go back and we look, here's Wyatt Earp. Okay, he's the U.S. Marshal, and Virgil Earp is the town marshal of Tombstone. Right. And he'd been making it rough on the outlaw band, of which the Clantons and the McClowries were members. I mean, they'd been stealing horses and who knows what else. But the outlaws felt that Wyatt had been interfering too much in their rustling activities and that Virgil had been too insistent on enforcing the tombstone, tombstone law, which said you cannot carry firearms within the city limits. So these guys were pretty much on the, on the prowl, and they pretty much sent a message to the Earps to come and get them or get out of town. 
So Morgan Earp and Doc Holliday, they were deputies to the others, and they were went along to arrest this gang. So here we go. As the three Earps and Holliday turned the corner down this alley, you know, we talked about the OK Corral, but it was actually a little ways away from the OK Corral. Mm. They were actually in an alley mm-hmm. leading to the corral. Right. Well, they met the outlaws face-to-face, and when the smoke cleared, Frank and Tom McClowry were dead, and Billy Clanton was dying. Uh, Billy Claiborne, who was with them, uh, he fired a few shots in the air and took off running, and as did Ike Clanton. He didn't even have the nerve to pull his gun. But on the lawman's side, Virgil was seriously wounded in the leg, Morgan in the shoulder. Holiday had a wound, uh, kind of a burn wound where a bullet had ricocheted off his holster, and Wyatt Earp was unharmed. He had a few holes in his uh, coat, and that was it. Mm-hmm. So now let's just kind of take a look at what happened uh, to see if it was kind of planned this way. In his testimony, Wyatt Earp said, he said, we had heard the Clantons and the McClowers were armed and looking for a fight. So he said, we went to disarm or arrest them, and he had a, dra- a gun drawn and cocked. So he was ready. Uh, he was a peace officer going after armed lawbreakers, and was only taking a sensible precaution by having this gun cocked and ready to go. Right. And that's exactly what you'd expect of our current law enforcement officers to be ready. So, now there's another guy that comes into the picture. His name is Sheriff Johnny Behan. Uh-oh. Now, he was kind of a crony to the outlaws. He uh, uh, he was basically their their friend. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. But uh, as the Earps uh, uh, approached the O.K. Corral, this Behan, Sheriff, who had been talking to the outlaws, he rushed up to meet the, the marshal and his deputies, and he says, it's okay. He said, I've disarmed them. Well, this was not true. And so Virgil Earp said, well, did you arrest them? He said, no, he says, but I will. Well, it seems like earlier in the day, this Behan had been approached about helping in the arrest, and he had refused. He said that enforcing the city ordinance against carrying firearms was the job of Virgil Earp. So he wasn't much help. Um, Anyway, the Earps, uh, although doubting the Behan statement was correct, they determined to answer the challenge and make the arrest. So the outlaws, uh, at a previous time, uh, they thought maybe they would lose their nerve uh, because under similar circumstances, they'd have been approached and they had uh, given up their guns. And But this time, the four men approached the scene without any display of weapons, but they knew they had them. So... After the sheriff told us that he'd disarmed them, Wyatt said, uh, Virgil gave his shotgun to Doc Holliday, who carried it out of sight under his coat. The others wore their guns in their shoulder, in their holsters. Well, Wyatt, who was noted for being a cautious man, went on to explain, I held mine in my coat pocket. So he, he had his gun cocked in, in his coat pocket. Well, they got sight of the outlaws, and Virgil called out and said, You men are under arrest. Throw up your hands. Well, now, here's what you were talking about, Seb. Uh, Frank McClowry actually was probably the fastest of the bunch. And he went for his gun, and despite the fact that Wyatt anticipated this move and was able to shoot a split second uh, before the marshal could draw his cocked pistol from his pocket, uh, here was another example of reaction time. The fact that the outlaws lost the famous battle was really due to poor marksmanship, uh, not because they were too slow on the draw. Mm-hmm. So Now, all of this doesn't mean that such men as Earp and and Masterson and these guys didn't practice the fast draw. They did. I mean, speed of getting into action is always a, a vital need in a gunfight. And, and even today, as I mentioned, FBI men practice the fast draw. So, uh, you know, 
and here's a little experiment as we're talking about the fast draw. Uh, here's kind of a thing you can uh, check yourself. Um, if you'll take a uh, hold your thumb and in index about an inch apart, okay, then have someone hold an ordinary 12-inch ruler by one end so that it hangs down between your fingers with six inches of the ruler above the top of your hand, uh-huh. and then you tell your assistant to drop the ruler. When he does, you catch it as quickly as possible. Now, if you can catch the the ruler and there's two inches or more above your thumb, you're fast. One inch, you're not you're not so good. If you miss the ruler entirely, you better stay out of gunfights. Mm. Okay, so, Mr. Know-it-all. Have you ever uh, tried that? I haven't tried it yet. I'm, I'm going to see if I'm fast or if I miss the ruler entirely. But... Uh, and Wyatt Earp had some good advice. He said, in dealing with such men, he says, I've always found the advantage is gained by taking the initiative, and if shooting was to be done, I might as well start it. Uh, now, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to challenge you to a ruler showdown at the OK Corral. <laughs> all right. <laughs> we'll, we'll catch it out, and, and we'll see if we even catch it, first of all. And if we do, <laughs> how, much, uh, how many inches are above the... Uh, uh, you know, above our fingers. There you go. So, but you know, this this uh, gunfight at the OK Corral, uh, you know, happened in 1881 October. Uh, it was on a Wednesday afternoon, three o'clock in the afternoon, and uh, generally it's regarded as the most famous gunfight in the history of the American Old West. Mm-hmm. And the gunfight really only lasted about 30 seconds. Right. You know, and and as I mentioned, is between the Cowboys. Billy Clanton, Tom McClurry, and his brother Frank, and uh, against Virgil Earp, Morgan, Wyatt, and Doc Holliday. But, uh, you know, it's one that goes down in American history, uh, kind of represents the uh, what the frontier was like back then when outlaws opposed to law enforcement people. And there's been a couple of movies made about that. Mm-hmm. One was, uh, I don't remember, it's uh, back in 1946, it's called My Darling Clementine. And then 1957, there was another one called Gunfight at the OK Corral. And uh, Well, Kevin Costner uh, did a movie uh, about the OK Corral in the movie Wyatt Earp. Oh, okay. And so did, uh, oh my goodness, I forgot his name, the actor. He used to be a child actor star with the Disney Corporation. And then he married, uh, lived with Goldie Hawn, and all of a sudden, I can't remember his name. He did a portrayal of uh, Wyatt Earp at the OK Corral. Uh, so there's been some recent movies on that, too. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, like I said, despite the gunfight, uh, despite its name, the gunfight actually occurred in a in a narrow lot, uh, mm-hmm. six doors from the entrance to the O.K. Corral. And, the, again, uh, something that people don't realize is the these guys were actually only about six feet apart when the, and there was about 30 shots fired in about 30 seconds. And... Uh, so, again, Hollywood kind of makes it, uh, they make it a little more exciting, I guess, but these guys were really close to each other when things started uh, happening, and uh, now this Ike Clanton, one of the brothers, he actually filed murder charges against the Earps and Doc Holliday, mm. and, because, uh, I don't know, for whatever reason, he thought that they'd killed his brothers, which yeah. they did. But, yeah. Uh, well, now let me ask Virgil you... Let me, let me ask you a couple of questions. I apologize for the delay. For some reason, we've got a real bad delay on the line. Um, I can hear you just 
just fine. Well, you, sometimes when I ask you something, it seems like we got a shortage, and then you start and stop and start and stop, and then it's me, oh, and, okay. and we're having all kinds of problems here this morning. Uh, but, Dr. History, one of the things that was amazing to me, for as much as Wyatt Earp was in all the frontier towns and supposedly in all the shootouts and everything else with his brothers who got shot to pieces, I think from everything I've read, Wyatt Earp never even suffered a powder burn. He was never hit in his whole life. Is that true? Well, the only thing that in this fight was a bullet hit his holster and just, you know, probably gave him a little bit of a bruise, but that was it. Now, Virgil Earp later on, uh, he was uh, shot up pretty bad uh, uh, by some cowboys. And then Morgan Earp was killed uh, by some other guys. So now there's another brother, and I don't know if I've told this story, but there's another Earp brother that didn't, he, situations were such that he'd never got involved in any of this. He just kind of missed out on the fun with his brothers. Yeah. And I, I can't remember his first name. I'll have to. I've got it in my book, up. and I don't have it right here close to me. And by the way, we just had a telephone call, and a very nice gentleman, Tim Green, I believe his name is, gave us the name of the other actor that I couldn't think of for the life of me, uh, the most recent of the uh, Wyatt Earp and OK Corrals, and that was uh, uh, Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. And by the way, I'm going to tell you something about your fast draw. Did you ever watch the opening of the old Gunsmoke TV series with James Arness? Oh, yeah. All right. Do you know who the very, very famous man was that was in the opening that supposedly shot first and missed Matt Dillon? I don't. That happened to be the world's champion, fast-draw artist in Hollywood and the world at that time. His name was Arvo Ojala. And he, honestly, I'm not making the name up, Arvo Ojala, he was uh, hired by most Hollywood movie sets to teach a lot of the actors the art of fast-draw for the movies, but he was a world's champion. You know, actually, this article I'm looking at, uh, it shows a fellow named Nick Nicastro uh, doing a fast draw, and it says that he could draw in three one-hundredths of a second. Yeah. Uh, there was so, quite a big yeah. deal in the Westerns back in those days, and Arvo Ojala was a world's champion, and he was the one. And I often wondered. You know, it shows a, a quite a difference there in timing. The guy that draws in the opening on Gunsmoke, bang! And then Matt Dillon draws and goes bang. And he, Matt Dillon, if, if he, the guy would have had a better aim, Matt Dillon would have never finished the TV series. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and then that's what what they say. You know, you better you can be fast, but you better be accurate too. <laughs> now you know from your history, and, and you're going to find this book really. I did not know that uh, the weapon of choice for Doc Holliday, he packed a 45 cold peacemaker on his hip when he was playing cards. But did you know that most of the time at card games that got out of hand, he wore a shoulder holster with a little one, a 41 caliber cold pistol that did most of the damage? Nope, I didn't know that. Yep, he very seldom ever drew the hip gun. So I just thought I'd throw that out at Dr. History. (laughs) 
Well, I just read the books. You're the expert. No, no, no. And and it's good <laughs> to have these discussions back and forth. But, you know, the one thing I had heard was that whenever cowboys came to town or something like that and there was a challenge or a square off, the old cowboys in the old day, they couldn't hit a barn, the broadside of a barn. They were terrible. Well, and, you know, the uh, some of those old movies, too, you know, the, the card shark guy, a lot of times he had a gun in his boot. Yeah. Or up his sleeve. Yeah. You know, and, and so, the and the ladies of the night were their derringers. Yes, they always had one too. Yep. So, there was a, behind the bar had a shotgun. Now, now, really, right there, right there. When you're talking shotguns in the old days, there's another topic all the way. You could bring down a three-story hotel with one of those shotguns in the old days, couldn't you? <laughs> and it's funny because the guy behind the bar never seemed to hit anybody <laughs> in the movies. <laughs> You know, but that's interesting in this book. Uh, there's a story about Doc Holliday stepping uh, away from the bar, and the bartender pulls out a sawed-off, uh, what was that buckshot, double odd or something back in those days? Yeah. Can you imagine the damage that would do? I mean, it blew chairs up, tables up. It, um, I'm, that's terrible. But, but they never seem to hit anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I guess we're laughing about it. The Old West really, as much as you studied it and you know from these appearances on the program, there's a lot of um, not-so-true information, isn't there? Yeah. I, you know, when I go to a movie after I've read the book, I'm always curious to see what Hollywood has done with, with the facts, you know, and, and some of them are pretty good and some of them are way off base. Yeah. So. But uh, you always bring an interesting facet to it. And I, I did read someplace, and I'm sure you probably read this in your studies, that a lot of people that were in a fast-draw situation ended up being carried off the street because they shot themselves in their own leg. Yeah, well, if the truth be known, yeah, that's true. Okay. Yep. Okay, now, being that you're this organized all the time and you always have such great stories, I'm going to put you on the spot, and what are we going to talk about next week? Well, that leads me to my next uh, thought. Uh, I'm going to be gone next week, Zeb. Oh, no, we can't. We can't fill your time with anybody but you. You're going to have to call in from wherever you are. <laughs> well, that might be difficult, but... Uh, uh, we're going to have to figure out something here. Well, no, I understand if you have to be gone, but I'm telling you what, we're going to have a day of mourning without your segment because you do a greatest job in the world. <laughs> Dr. History, better known as Dr. Ken Turner, wonderful job. God bless you, man, and call me after the program. We'll discuss how we're ever going to fill in for you. That sounds like a good deal. I'll talk to you this afternoon. All right, Ken. Thanks so much. Hey, you have a good day, Zeb. I, I just love that segment, Dr. History, talking about fast draws or not in the Old West. Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.